Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, today we're going to continue on into chapter 14. We're going to continue looking at the teaching of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about a problem that Jesus is going to address with us. And let me just qualify this right up front. Jesus, when he teaches, he is not introducing another set of morals for you and I to live by. Jesus, when he gives his teaching, is actually giving it to reveal something about ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's not giving you another set of rules that you need to, okay, this is what Jesus says to do in this situation. He's actually giving it to kind of reveal something about you and myself. And so today he's going to talk about a problem that all of us have here. And we're going to talk about the problem with perfection. Well, you're going to immediately say, well, I'm not perfect, George. Well, no, no, nobody's perfect. So let's get that right up the bat. But the reality is, is that you do view yourself better than someone else. Well, I don't do that. Oh, yeah, you do. You may not do it consciously, but you do it subconsciously. Every one of us here have a problem with somebody or some type of person. Do you understand what I'm saying? You may not like someone simply because of the color of their hair. Because you know that people whose hair who's colored like that, let's, let's, let's pick on redheads for a moment. Do we have any redheads in here? Genuine redheads. We, we, could, we could say, well, you know, you know about those redheads? They, they just got a temper. And they'll tell you, I know I need to do better, but I'm a, I'm a redhead. And you may have an attitude towards a redhead. You may have an attitude towards a personality type. You know, somebody who's overbearing and stuff. Because you, maybe you're quiet and reserved and, and you don't like pushy people. And immediately you develop an attitude towards them. You may develop an attitude towards people of a certain nationality. You may develop an attitude towards people of a certain color of skin. You and I, each of us, have our issues that we deal with. And where it stems from, and see, this is where perfection comes from. The, why, the reason why we have a problem with other people is because of our own pride. It comes from us. What we're talking about is an attitude where you view yourself as better than someone else. Now you say, wait a minute, I don't see myself that way. In fact, I think I'm, I think I'm worthless. Now, hold on. You might think you're worthless, but I can almost guarantee you that there's somebody else that you think you're better than. Because all of us have a problem. All of us struggle with it. And this is what Jesus is going to get to the heart of today in our passage. He's going to get to the heart of what all of us wrestle with because he's been invited to a dinner. We're going to see that. And he's been invited not just to any kind of dinner. He's been invited to a dinner of some folks who really suffer from pride. And so through this interaction, we're going to see really the depravity of pride. What's the problem with pride? How it affects our lives. And then we're going to look and see how Jesus tells us to deal with it. So let's look at the passage together. We're going to look at the first 11 verses. Now it happened, as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees, to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, 
There was a certain man before him who had dropsy. Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he answered them saying, Which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited unto a wedding in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, folks, let's, let's look at these, these two sections. First of all, the depravity of pride. It comes from the incident of what's happening here. Here's what's going on. Remember, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's journeying. He's passing through Galilee, making his way towards Judea. He's probably in a village by now. And what happens is, is in this village, because you have to understand, Jesus by this time is a superstar. Everybody wants to be with him. Everybody wants to be near him. Multitudes are coming to him because he's healing, and they want to listen to his teaching. So one of the prominent members of the Pharisees, now the Pharisees were... A, a religious group that existed in Judea at that time. They basically were separatists. They mostly were middle class. They held to a strict teaching of the law. In fact, not just what the law said in the Bible, they held to a strict teaching of what their elders said, the oral traditions of what the law meant and so forth. And so one of the prominent members, probably a leader of the Pharisees, invites Jesus over to his house to have a meal on the Sabbath. So Jesus goes to this meal. Now let's just stop for a moment. I want you to understand something. There's no love from the Pharisees towards Jesus because Jesus has actually been quite critical of the Pharisees. He's actually been quite critical of how they've been imposing all of their man-made rules on people and they can't live up to them themselves. He's been pretty critical, pretty hard on them. So they're trying to find some reason to accuse him, so they invite him to this meal. And notice what the first verse there says. They watched him closely. You ever had that happen? But you know you're being examined. How many of you have been in a situation where you know you've been examined? Here's what's going on. This is what's happening here. But the problem is, is that, notice something. Now this is very interesting. Verse 2 tells us that there was somebody else at this meal. Verse 2 tells us that there was a man there who had dropsy. Now you're saying, George, what in the world is dropsy? Well, it is a condition, a lot of us would probably be very familiar with it, it's the inflammation of joints, water retention that takes place in different parts of the body, and it causes swelling. Now it's not a disease, it's actually symptomatic of something greater going on. And so most of the scholars say it was probably... The person maybe either had a liver problem, or he had kidney problems, or he may have even had a congestive heart problem. And the problem is, is that the fluid was not coming off of him, 
And so therefore he was beginning to swell up in places with this fluid. You and I have seen that a lot, haven't we? We maybe have had someone who's sick, somebody who's elderly, who's had congestive problems, they can't get the water off, and sometimes they'll give him something to help get the water off. This is what this guy is suffering from. Now here's the problem though. It's kind of, you kind of wonder what's going on here because the Pharisees by nature felt that if anybody was suffering from sickness or any kind of ailment, they were being judged by God. And they would stay away from him. And this guy just happens to be at the meal of the most prominent Pharisee in the community? It's a setup. And here's what you see about the first thing about pride. You see it first of all in how they're looking at Jesus. And you see it second of all in that they have this man there who's suffering from some sort of medical condition that really they ultimately themselves feel that he's being judged. Here's what you see about the issue of pride. Here's what you see. Here's the first thing. People are nothing more than objects. People are nothing more than objects. Because you understand with pride, here's the depravity of pride. Where is the focus when I am suffering from pride? Where is it at? On myself. I am more interested when I'm suffering with pride, and you're talking to somebody who suffers from pride, when I'm looking at myself all the time, everybody else is supposed to be there for who? Who's everybody else supposed to be there for? Me. You understand what I'm saying? And some of us know what pride does to relationships and stuff. Here's what happens when you have pride going on in a person's life. Everybody else around them then becomes an object to be used for yourself, for your own pride. Well, you're here to make me look good. Or you're here to do this for me. And I'm in this relationship with you for me, not for you. And that's what's going on here. With these Pharisees, they were there. They, it didn't matter about Jesus, whether he was real or not. They were there to disprove him. They were there to manipulate him. They brought this guy in who had a medical problem. They didn't weren't concerned about him. They were simply using him as a puppet, as a pawn, to try to get to Jesus. That's what pride does. Pride's not concerned about individuals. Pride looks at people as objects. And then we see the second thing there, and that is misfortune is seen as God's judgment. Misfortune is seen as God's judgment. See, when you're prideful... When you're focused on self, here's one of the other symptoms of pride in your life, is that when you see somebody else going through stuff, you begin to think, oh, well, I wonder what they did. If they hadn't have done that, it wouldn't have happened. And so you get this attitude going on where you begin to view that, well, they're getting what they deserve. God's punishing them. And let me just stop for a moment. You say, well, I wouldn't do that. I'm going to be honest with you. The most common place that you hear that kind of talking is in a church. It's Christians talking to other Christians about the reason why you're going through this right here is because God's judging you. Have you ever seen that? That's just pride, folks. That is an attitude of superiority. That is having your nose so high in the air that you get a sunburn on the bottom part of your nose. Do you know what I mean? Where you become, listen to me, where you become the judge of why bad things happen to people. This is where the Pharisees were at. So when here's this guy, he's got, he's got a medical condition. Let, let's be honest, folks. All of us are going to die, and your bodies are going to wear out. Period. That's life. That's not necessarily the judgment of God. 
I mean, it's the ultimate judgment of God against sin, but that's true for all of us. But this is what pride does. Pride brings about, it views misfortune as God's judgment. Now here's the other point I want you to see, and it comes out of the passage. Opinion and experience trump God's words. So here's what Jesus does. Jesus, I mean, he knows he's being set up. And, he's, and he, knows, he knows the character of these guys that he's sitting with, eating with there. And he knows that just some sick dude just doesn't happen to turn up in a house like this. And he turns the tables on them. Rather than them just going ahead and healing them, he then turns to the guys that are the host and everybody, and he says, well, tell me, is it legal to heal somebody on the Sabbath? Now, that probably caught him off guard because the next verse says that they kept silent. And here's what happens then. So Jesus heals them, and then he turns around to them and says, Look, guys, which of you, if you had an ox or a donkey who falls in a hole on the Sabbath, wouldn't go out there and help that ox or donkey get out of that hole? And again, they kept silent. Now, what's going on here? Here's what's going on. Because the problem with them is this. Opinion and experience trump God's word. What do you mean by that, George? Here's what's going on. I told you that the Pharisees were one group of religious Jews in Judea at that time. There was another group of religious Jews, and they were the Sadducees. They tended to be the priests. They believed in only the first five books of the Old Testament, which is known as the Torah, the law. The difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, there's a lot of main differences, like whether or not they believed in angels or resurrection. But here's the biggest difference that was between them. The Pharisees believed in the teaching of the elders. Now, the teaching of the elders was like, say, a pastor came or whatever, an elder would come, and he would interpret the law, and so that law would then become a regulation. Now, they would never write it down, but it was orally kept. So they would, they would remember the oral Torah, the oral laws, the oral traditions. And so what they would do is, is this. They would see that the Sabbath says to keep the Sabbath holy and that you can't work on the Sabbath. Now what the elder would do then is he would come along and decide he would come along through his wisdom and his respect that he would get he would figure out what kind of work was allowed on the Sabbath and what wasn't and that would be made into these oral traditions. So somehow, somewhere, see the Bible never says, the Old Testament law never said that it was illegal to heal somebody on the Sabbath. Never was said there. It just simply said you can't work. Well, these elders would come along then and then say, anybody practicing medicine or healing on that day, that's work. They can't do it. So what were they doing? They were allowing their opinions and their experiences to trump what the Word of God said. Do you understand what I mean? Their opinion and their experience meant more than what God's Word said. And that's what they're doing here. So when Jesus asks this question, they know they've got a problem here. Because the problem is, Jesus is asking them, so tell me guys, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. But their traditions say something. So they'd rather be quiet. And you sit there and you say, well, what's going on here? Folks, that's just the epitome of pride. And I'll be honest with you, we suffer from this too. Because pride says, I know better in this instance. I know better in this situation. And sometimes you and I, and I can get there, I've done this, I can get to the place where I know what the Bible says 
But in this situation, with this circumstance, you know what, Jesus? I know better. And in this situation, in this instance, my opinion matters more than what God's Word says. And that's what's going on here. And folks, what is that? When you think that your opinion matters more than what God says, what is that? Pride. Pride. That's the depravity where you get to the place where your opinion and your experience matter more than God's Word. That's what these Pharisees were doing. But here's what Jesus points out. Because when you do that, there's another aspect about pride. And here's the other aspect. It lives with two standards. It lives with two standards. Jesus says, look, you would get upset about me healing a guy who obviously has something major happening in his life so that he's retaining water. There's some kind of major thing happening in his life. And I would heal him, and you would get upset about that, but then it's okay if your ox or donkey falls in a hole on the Sabbath. You don't have a problem with going and helping that animal out of a pit. There's a double standard going on here. And this is what Jesus is pointing out to them. Guys, you have a double standard. You have a standard for yourself, and then you've got a standard that you want everybody else to live by. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got a standard for yourself, and you're pretty loosey-goosey with that standard. Because remember, your opinions and your attitudes and your experience trump the Word of God. But then there's a standard by which you judge everybody else by. And let's just stop for a moment. That's what results in many people in the church being called what, folks? Hypocrites. Because that's the human tendency. Our pride has a standard by which we judge everybody. I can't believe they did that. Oh, that's just terrible of them. And then somebody has the audacity. Maybe your wife says, well, didn't you do that? Oh, yeah, but you know, it was different. That's a double standard. See, this is the depravity of pride. Pride is, looks at people as nothing more than objects. Pride sees every person's problem as God's judgment upon them. Pride is based upon this whole issue of opinion, experience, trumping God's word. And it lives with two standards. But there's one more thing I want you to see about pride. Because here's what happens. When you get focused on pride, it comes right out of the text. It can't see what God's doing. It can't see what God's doing. I mean, think about it. I mean, the guy is there. He's got the Bible that calls it dropsy. I'm sure there's other medical terms for it today. I mean, he is retaining fluid. And here Jesus heals this guy, and these guys, all they can do is, is just sit there and be quiet. Because they're so focused on themselves. Nothing else matters. They can't see what God's doing. See, that's the danger of pride. That's the depravity of pride. When you are so focused on your world and everybody else is there for you and it's all about you and what you want and what you need and making sure that you get what you want out of life and making sure that you look good and helping you to pose to the world around you because you got your act together or whatever, you miss what God is doing in other people's lives. And so you hear about some great report about God provided me with a job. Oh, um, that's really good. How'd you do to lose the last one? God spared them from cancer. What was their lifestyle like in the first place that they got it anyhow? That's pride, folks. That's pride. And it misses the bigger picture to see what God is doing. That's the depravity of pride. 
You miss it. You don't see it. But I want you to see now, Jesus, I mean, it's just not an, another little story here. It comes out of this scene. Jesus tells us how to deal with pride. He tells us how to deal with pride because he, he sees something going on. So after he talks to them, he realizes that they're quiet. He realizes that the issue here is their pride. He noticed that when he came in and sat down at the table, that people were scurrying for the best seats in the house. Now, you have to understand what's going on there. Usually their meal, their tables were a little bit different, kind of a U-shaped table. And the host would sit at the base. So the host would sit right here. And then the more prominent seats would be right beside him, either on his left and then each seat afterward. And the closer you were to the host signified how prominent you were in the eyes of the host or in the eyes of the community. So they're having this meal, and so the guy says, come on in, have a seat. So everybody is scurrying for the best seats. And so Jesus knows it, notices that. And from that, he, he tells them a parable. He tells them a point here, a story, to try to get them to understand how to deal with this issue of pride. So the first thing I want you to notice he's saying here is, first of all, he says, don't seek prominence. Don't seek to magnify yourself above everyone else. Look at what he says there. Look with me. At verse 8, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down at the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. Jesus is saying, don't seek that prominent place. So don't seek prominence. Why? Because here's what he says is going to happen. Self-exaltation results in humiliation. Self-exaltation results in humiliation. Because here's what's going to happen. He says, you know, if you go there to that feast and you sit at a prominent seat, but here's something. Somebody more prominent shows up and the host says to you, excuse me, but you're going to need to move because this seat is actually his. And you have to understand, in their culture, shame meant everything. And, and having to move was a shameful thing. Then you lose face. We don't understand that in our culture anymore, but shame was very much a part of their culture. And so they're, they're humiliated. But the point Jesus is making is good for all of us here. When you're seeking your own, when it's all about you, it's ultimately going to end in your humiliation. It's ultimately going to end in your humiliation. Because if your relationships are about you, here's the point, folks, they're going to fall apart. If work is all about you, here's the point. You're going to get a pink slip at some time, and you're going to realize real quick it wasn't about you. This is what Jesus is pointing out here. Don't seek that prominence. Self-exaltation results in humiliation. But here's the greater point that Jesus is saying. Here's what he's saying. The humble will be exalted in the kingdom. The humble the one who doesn't try to promote himself, the one who's not seeking after what he wants and everything, the one who puts others before himself, that person will be exalted. And ultimately what Jesus means is he'll be exalted in the kingdom. That's the exact opposite of pride. Because pride, you're here for me. Humility, I'm here for you. And because of that, you'll be exalted. This is the point that Jesus is making here in this passage. This is the point that he's making here. The humble will be exalted. So you say, okay, George, let's, how, do we, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, I've got two questions for you, and then I'm going to give you an action point, something you need to do this week. Here's the first question. If we're going to look at what Jesus is talking about here, his teaching and focus of the passage on the issue of pride, and then how to deal with that pride, I guess, here's, here's the thing. How do you view others? How do you view other people? I mean, how do you, how do you view them? Are they, are they there for you? 
Is their whole reason there is for you? Are they there to make your life perfect and wonderful and happy? Is everybody else, how do you view them? That will tell you whether or not there's a pride issue. So the next question then is, here's, here's how we're going to, if we're trying to apply what we're learning here, is does pride con- have control of your life? Does pride have control of your life? Does pride control your life? Here, here's another way you can tell if it controls your life. When someone you love does wrong and you're angry with them, and there's nothing wrong with being angry with them when they do wrong, but when somebody you love does wrong and you're angry with them, but the anger that you have to them has nothing to do with the offense that they've done or even that they've done offense, it's you're angry about how it's making you look. Do you understand what I'm saying? has nothing to do with what they've done, because if it was anybody else you'd be forgiving, but because it was your own or someone you love, you're angry with them not because of what they've done, you're angry with them because of what it makes you look like. That, my folks, is pride. Do you understand? That's pride. Does pride have control of your life? Now, if we're honest with ourselves, if we took, took a hands-raising time here, all of us, including myself, would have to say, yes. Yes. And if you couldn't do that, that's an evidence of what? Pride. Say, okay, George. Nice questions are revealing a lot about me, so what do we need to do? Here's what you need to do this week. Here's the action point. How do we apply what Jesus is saying here? Put the needs of others before your own. Put the needs of others before your own. If I'm going to look at what Jesus is saying here, if if pride is going to destroy me, if it views people as objects, then what do I need to do? I need to put the needs of others before my own. Now, how do I do that, George? Well, I think if you look at your family, if you look at your work situation, if you look at your friends, you start to realize it's not about me. Maybe you want to put that down. It's not about me. If you're, like me, the most domineering one when it comes to deciding where you're going to go as a restaurant, then maybe I need to be quiet and say, okay, folks, where are we going today? You pick it. If it's not about you and you're wanting to deal with pride in your home situation, you don't decide, well, when I'm coming home from home today, I'm just going to veg in front of the TV or the computer and just do whatever I want to do. You look around and you decide, you know what, I need to help my loved one. I need to help the folks in my house do the things that they need to do. Yeah, I'm exhausted, but it's not about me today. It's not about me this week. That's the practical feet to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you exalt yourself and your attitude is, is, honey, bring me my drink. Rub my feet for me. And don't burn the meal. I can almost guarantee you you're going to need marriage counseling at some point. If it even gets there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because she may tell you or he may tell you, take a hike. Because it ain't about you. Put the needs of others 
before your heart. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.